Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Horn Call podcast. My name is James Bolton, publications editor for the International Horn Society and your host. I am so excited about our wonderful guest today. Hadagundis Tavares is the newly elected president of the International Horn Society. He is an internationally known performer, teacher, uh, creative person all around, and he's just got boundless enthusiasm for the horn and for horn players all over the world. And I was really, really interested to get his perspective um, on the International Horn Society, on horn play playing and teaching, um, and especially for, you know, for my own kind of selfish reasons, I wanted to ask him about Brazilian composers that uh, have written things for the horn. So uh, I, I think you're going to really enjoy our conversation today. Uh, announcements. Uh, as you are listening to this, uh, probably in the middle of October 2021, uh, I hope that you have received either in print or digital copy the October 2021 issue of The Horn Call. Uh, you may notice a few different things about the cover. We're kind of trying different things, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm always interested in feedback from our readers. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that every, every instance of feedback is going to result in some kind of a change, but I, I do want to, uh, to, to get as many perspective as, perspectives as uh, we can uh, from all of our readers, and we're not necessarily uh, targeting the journal towards a specific demographic of horn player. It, it, it should be something that has a little bit for everyone, something interesting, something educational, something inspiring uh, for uh, you know adult players who maybe aren't professional musicians, for students of all kinds, uh, for professional musicians, for chamber music uh, aficionados and and enthusiasts. Uh, that's kind of a big task, I realize, uh, just having said that. <laughs> but uh, it, it is truly our hope on the editorial staff that we put together a journal that has a little bit of something for everyone. So uh, I, I hope that you are finding those kinds of things in the Horn Call. And if you have feedback, feel free to contact me at any time at editor at hornsociety.org. Uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Aragundis Tavares. First, I want to welcome you and congratulate you as the incoming president of the International Horn Society. That's very exciting. Thank you, James. I'm very happy to be here and uh, very excited about all this, about being the IJS president. Very honored and uh, very excited about what's up to coming for us in, uh, in the society. Well, I think I think you're absolutely the right person for the job. Uh, you know, you've you've done so many things in Brazil for the horn playing community there and in Latin America, and you've hosted an international horn symposium. I think, you know, you, you've got all the right experience and, and the passion and the energy, which is certainly something that being a president of an organization like the IHS is, is going to take having enthusiasm, which I can tell, you know, you're very enthusiastic. Um, for those of uh, our listeners who may not know uh, who you are or may have heard your name since you've been on the advisory council and you did host an international horn symposium, but for people who might not know, uh, you know, what your professional affiliations are, um, maybe talk about where, where you teach and the other kinds of professional activities you do. Yes, uh, I'm horn professor here at the Federal University of Rio Grande do Norte 
in uh, Natal, Brazil. Uh, I've been teaching here since 2008 when uh, I started this uh, full-time position. Here in Brazil, most uh, positions in, in universities, uh, they demand you uh, to be exclusive, exclusively a, uh, in this position. You can't be uh, hired, for example, as an orchestral player as well. Okay. You can do extra sometime, but not uh, all the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's basically my main job, what I do most regularly. Uh, I also usually play as soloist uh, with or or uh, orchestral ensembles mm -hmm. or wind ensembles and uh, a lot of chamber music, uh, both in the university and outside. Today I have, uh, I have been doing uh, since, I don't know, maybe especially six or seven years ago, I started to work more with research mm -hmm. about horn teaching and uh, especially because I was uh, starting to study to practice popular music, Brazilian popular music. Mm -hmm. And then I started to practice improvisation and then I, I wanted to know how to, to get what I liked the most from this experience to my teaching, mm -hmm. my daily teaching. So I started to research about it. And uh, so I would say I, I, my main thing is to teach, then to play, and then uh, to research. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's fantastic. And I think you, you've done some presentations about incorporating improvisation and popular melodies into like a horn warm-up and a horn routine, which I think is, I think the more of that we can have, the better. Yes, yes. And uh, especially for us here in Brazil, because... Basically, everything we use to teach the horn uh, are international methods mm -hmm. or, or studies. And then uh, it's very common to have a horn player that uh, doesn't know how to play Brazilian music, mm -hmm. you know, especially Brazilian popular music. And we have, it's important to say popular music because we have a, a very strong uh, Brazilian uh, contemporary music more, more attached to classical music. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, the popular music that is really diverse and everything. The Brazilian classical music is more common to have in our, uh, for our students to play. Although mm -hmm. we could do more of that too. But uh, popular music, you know, is really unusual. And mm -hmm. uh, it's been changing, but uh, we still have a lot to do about it. Mm -hmm. so, so is the typical... So when a student comes to the university to study with you, are they typically, you know, 17 or 18 years old, and then they study for, you know, four years or something and similar, similar to the United States? Yes. Uh, here at my university, we have the, what we call the technical course. It's like a conservatoire mm -hmm. course, but it's only three years. It's mm -hmm. a little bit from different from uh, conservatories in Europe. Then we have uh, the bachelor degree. That's a four-year course. And then we have the master degree. We still don't offer uh, the doctorate here, but we, we plan to do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, so they usually come here like 70, 18 years old for the bachelor degree. But mm -hmm. for the technical course, they can, uh, they can start a little bit earlier with, uh, when they are like 15 years old. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yes, so in the bachelor degree, we have now the popular music course for horn players and the classical music course for horn players. So they, they can choose, you know, when they, they apply. 
Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I, I like that idea. That's that's something I think more more universities uh, worldwide could could be engaged with is acknowledging popular music. And I mean, because that's you know, you can make a really good living being a popular musician far, far better than you can <laughs> being a classical musician. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, that that's that's uh, that's good to hear. Um, I want to talk a little bit about. So, you know, it obviously being the IHS president is a very important position and people who may not have heard of you before are going to going to now know your face and know your name but you you've been doing this a long time you've organized so many horn related events in in Latin America and Brazil and you've built you know we were talking before we started recording you've built this amazing community of Brazilian horn players could you talk a little bit about how you came to to be an IHS member and then what that process was like of you becoming more and more involved with the IHS to now where you're you're the president of, of the society. Yeah, uh, my father was a trombonist, a Brazilian trombonist, and uh, he he did a, he did many things with the ITA, the International Trombone Association. Mm-hmm. He actually studied in, in the US. So uh, he he knew about all this this uh, association thing, mm. right? Then when he came to Brazil in the early nineties, he I started the Brazilian Trombone Association. So I grew up uh, listening him talking about it and uh, playing. I actually attended some events, you know, and then uh, I always had this this uh, this dream, you know, to get involved if I just somehow to become a member to go to a, to a to a symposium and uh it happened for the first time in 2013 in memphis mm-hmm. it was my first uh symposium so i became a member i went there and uh you know it's really something it was really something incredible for me you know to see all uh those horn players incredible horn players and uh instruments uh, for us it's really difficult to have access to uh, instruments, uh, materials, uh, everything. Mm. Uh, score is very expensive for us in Brazil and in Latin America in general, I would say. But uh, so uh, you know, I spent a lot of time, a lot of time trying instruments and mouthpieces and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the most important thing was to be together with people, yes. you know. And uh, Marcos Bona, that mm-hmm. have been in the society for many many years. Uh, he was there, and uh, we talked a lot about what we could do for uh, similar in Brazil, right? An association in Brazil, for example, and it was a great motivation for a process that started in the same in the same year in 2013. That was the when we started to talk about creating the Brazilian Horn Association. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to be there at the symposium was a great, you know, uh, motivation for us to continue to do the same here uh, in Brazil. And uh, it's important to say that in Brazil, we had uh, an association created before when Bauma, I think, was the president of the IGES, Herman Bauma. And he came to Brazil, I think, at that time. But uh, I think especially because of the distance problems, and at that time, uh, we didn't have this all these internet tools and uh, everything, so uh, it didn't really move forward. People really didn't move forward with it. 
But yeah, so my involvement with IGS started in 2013 and then at the same year we uh, created the Brazilian Horn Association and we started we started talk about uh, doing a symposium a symposium here in Brazil. And uh, my university was very supportive to all those ideas, so they helped us create the, the Brazilian Horn Association. They uh, we hosted the first and the second national meetings in Brazil, mm-hmm. and uh, when we started talk to Nancy Nancy Joy mm-hmm. about uh, doing uh, the symposium here, uh, we bring the idea to the dean at the time, to the the head of the the department, and he was very supportive. Mm-hmm. So. After that, you know, to host a symposium is something I usually <laughs> say that I had more work uh, organizing the symposium than on my doctorate, you know, to write to write the thesis and <laughs> everything. Oh, oh, I can imagine. Yeah. 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 So after that, the, my involvement with IGS, you know, just uh, increased over the years. And uh, yeah, I love being part of IGS and be at symposiums and talk to everyone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think uh, you know we're all looking forward to being able to get together in person again. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. I, I think that certainly will be will be something to look forward to. Um, what what would you say are some priorities you have coming in as the new IHS president? What are some things you'd like to see happen for the society? Either the continuation of initiatives that were begun before and that you want to continue or new, new things you'd like to see happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe uh, since I became an uh, advisory council member, I think there are many initiatives that uh, I could follow closer as a council member that I think we need to, to continue. Like, uh, you know, all those, those projects to, to, get more uh, involvement from international community, you know, mm-hmm. from, from many, many countries. For example, uh, from Brazil now we have more than 80 members and uh, throughout the years we we used to have like five members. So it's a, it's a big <laughs> grow, right? Yeah. And then uh, we want to do the same for as many countries as possible and uh, that's something that I, uh, I saw Andrew Pelletier working a lot for and uh, Christina Masherton and, and uh, many, many other people. Mm-hmm. And I want to continue that. Uh, I think also uh, you've, you've been doing a, a lot of wonderful things in the, the horn call and, and with the, the horn call extras, you know, bringing more. I think the, the, all our production in the society can be uh, more international in general. Mm-hmm. And, uh, adding to what we already have. I think that's the, the, the thing. And uh, I want, so I want to, to, to continue this work. I also think that uh, one of the most important things we need to do now is to, like, uh, is like to, to, to remember people why they get involved with an association, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, as it is in my message of the October Horn Call, I think the right question when someone thinks about becoming a member is uh, what am I going to do with people from the association? Mm-hmm. And many times people make the question, what do I get from the association? Yeah. So uh, uh, we need to, to 
talk more about that, I would say. And uh, remember, people, that what is an association is, uh, to, to be very simple, is people that love to do something, they get together because as a, a collective thing, uh, they have the power to do more, mm-hmm. you know, to make a difference. And uh, so to get involved with IJS or with any other uh, associations that people might have in their own countries, states, cities, I don't know, it's uh, something that, that can really help them change their community, change uh, the way that they do things and, and their possibilities with anything they, they want to do. And it's the same with IJS. I think that becoming a member, a person can uh, amplify all uh, her possibilities to do things, his or her possibilities to do things, mm-hmm. right? So I think we need to remember people about that. Why to become uh, a member? What is an association? Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, we need to continue to, to develop our involvement with social media and uh, to, with technologies and uh, to have, uh, for example, we were working already on the Educational Resources Committee on uh, maybe to build up a platform or something like that to have uh, educational videos, but not only, also performance videos and uh, concerts and everything. Maybe for people uh, to have everything together in one place. So I think mm-hmm. it would be great for IGS to, to, to have that and to offer that for, for, for members, right? And... Uh, Yes, of course, all that, uh, to, to do all that is a lot of work. So, mm-hmm. and uh, who are the people who does this work? People that are members, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, for example, I, I, I'm not paid to be president. So uh, what I do is for love. Mm-hmm. And then as much people we have with this spirit, I think more things we can do. So now... Uh, by uh, remembering people why to get involved in a, with an association, I think we can improve all these uh, uh, initiatives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's, that's uh, I think that's an, a very admirable goal, admirable goal. And I think, I think we're moving in the right direction. You know, th- things, uh, I'm sure you know this working at a university, things kind of change slowly sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It takes, yeah. it takes a lot of time to, you know, come to an idea and everybody has their say and you have a committee and more than one committee. And, but I think it's, it, you know, you have to do that so that it's not just one person's idea it, because it is an association. Like you said, it has to be the work of, of many people and the input of many people. So yeah. I would just, I would just tell people, you know, there's, uh, people who care about the society who've told me, oh, you know, we, we have to do this and this needs to happen. And, and I, I agree. And, you know, it just, it takes, it takes some time to, to work those ideas out so that, you know, we're, we can do it in, in the most beneficial way possible. Um, now you, oh, you mentioned music education and that that's something I kind of want to come, come around to is talking about you know how students come up in in Brazil. Uh, you know, do they do they play in a band usually or an orchestra when they're you know in 10, 12, 13 years old, and then kind of work their way up to to the university? Yes, uh, they usually start in a, in a musical band. We we usually call a musical band here mm-hmm. in Brazil, and uh, many people for the country. You know, we also have musical bands in, in capitals, but mm-hmm. many people for 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 the country. 
and uh, they usually start very early, like you said, like 10, 11, or 12 years old. And uh, here uh, at UFRN, at my university, we have this, this possibility of the, the technical course. Mm -hmm. So it's great because we can have them uh, studying with us uh, a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. So we can prepare them to do the, the, the graduation course. And then it's uh, also part of, uh, they usually are very, uh, very young. And uh, it's, it's difficult to, to have access to materials here, to instruments and everything. Mm -hmm. That's a, a big, uh, that's something that makes really difficult to make our job, you know, mm -hmm. because when uh, a student comes with his instrument with a hole in it, <laughs> And the air is is you know, is leaking, you know. Yeah. yeah. Then it's 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 difficult. Yes. Yeah. But uh, it has improved uh, in these last two decades, for mm -hmm. example. So it, it's it's not as best as 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 bad as it was, but uh, yes, we still have a lot of difficulties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So w when students come and they you know they study at the university, when they leave, do they? Do they want to be performers or music teachers, or do they kind of put together a freelance career doing different things, or, or all of those kinds of stuff? Yeah, in general, I think they they want to be uh, performers, mm -hmm. like playing an orchestra, or yeah, and that's why popular music that we we were we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. is uh, so important because in my region, for example, in the northeast region of Brazil, uh, we don't have many orchestras. Mm. And uh, many of my students want to stay here. You know, they, they are very attached to the family. That This is very common, I would say, in Brazil, especially mm -hmm. here in the Northeast. So to have other possibilities to work, is it's good because they love to play the horn, right? So they, they want to do it. But if they, they don't have an orchestra to play, they may find themselves doing something else if they don't have a, a job, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, they, they usually think about perform, uh, about tour as a performer. But uh, here it's very common to have the, uh, someone working as the, the conductor or the leader of a musical band. Mm -hmm. Basically, every city in, in our state, for example, and it is a small state, ha uh, every city has a musical band. Mm. And all these musical bands need uh, professors and uh, conductors, you know. So that's that's something that people uh, have been working with too. That's, uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So music education is a very important part of 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 their life too, and it's something that we've uh, we have been trying to change in the university every time we we. From time to time, we need to, to rebuild the, the, the course, our course, mm. you know, like mm -hmm. every four years, we need to think if the disciplines are correct and everything. So we, we've been changing our curriculum, you know, to attend better these this pedagogical necessities of our students. That, because after doing the bachelor degree that is focused on, perfor on performance, they will need to teach. Right. So we, we need to, to provide to them both things. And it is not, not common here, unfortunately, to have a, a major and a minor degree. They usually have a major and that's it. Mm -hmm. So it would, it would be great if they had a minor too and they could do music education, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yes. And to work as a freelance is something very difficult here. Uh, I would say that it is possible, you know, in, in big cities like Sao Paulo or Rio de Janeiro. 
-hmm. but uh, I here in Natal, for example, it, it's very difficult. But it's not impossible, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, the cost of life here is not uh, that much expensive as it is in São Paulo, Rio. So people sometimes manage to to live that way too. Yeah, mm -hmm. but not common. Uh huh. And you mentioned having you know these different. Uh, you know, they could take a popular music course or the classical music course. How did you go about developing that? Because as you mentioned, you know, the, the, the horn is not something you would normally associate with popular music in, in, in most places. I mean, it's, it's true in the United States. I mean, you, if you look at, you know, music videos of popular music on YouTube, it's, it's rare that you see a, a horn in those. And, you know, it, you talked about trying to promote the horn more as a, a viable option for popular musicians. Yeah, uh, yeah. They have these uh, two possibilities here. Uh, in general, it is focused on Brazilian popular music, but the, one of the goals of the course is, of course, to 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 show jazz, for example, and other styles from other countries, so the student can can choose what mm -hmm. what you want to do. Uh, the ideal thing, I would say. Although we have the two courses now, would have to would be to have one course that show all the possibilities to the students. Mm -hmm. You know, I tried to do that first, and I think it worked okay. Okay, as um, I know, four years ago, people were thinking about a popular music course. Uh, I proposed to have the horn as one of the instruments to 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 try this mm -hmm. other possibility. But now, after four years, I think that uh, to have one course that shows everything to the student, and then the student can choose what he wants to, 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 to follow after, mm -hmm. you know, would be the best possibility. Because uh, on my doctorate, I studied uh, uh, the popular music teaching for, for the horn player. Mm -hmm. And uh, many of the methodologies, methodologies that are common for the popular musician learning process can be helpful to the classical musician. You know, like, for example, to have more uh, creativity, to, to work more creativity, to work more the, the perception mm -hmm. and uh, collective practice in general. And this, this uh, to have more of this, this uh, learning process attached not only to the professor but to the more experienced musicians that are playing with you so you you, you can create uh spaces where the the student will learn not only from the professor but from the more experienced improviser that is close close to him you know mm -hmm. this kind of, of things i think can be very helpful for the the classical music world in general mm -hmm. In some places, like here in Brazil and maybe in other countries, uh, our classical music uh, traditional learning process may be too 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 tight. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I think that they can be complementary uh, methodologies from popular music and from classical music. So that's why I think that to have one course where the student learns uh, basics from everything can be more uh, effective, you know? Mm -hmm. No, I agree completely. And I think at, at least in the United States, uh, universities are starting to catch on to the idea of to be a professional musician, 
you don't just have to know how to play your instrument well. You have to have some idea of how technology works and how social media works and how to set up a business. You know, if you're going to be a freelancer, you're self-employed. So you have to understand some of these business skills and, and, and networking and all of those things. There's so many more things than just, you know, learning what the fingerings are. And <laughs> Exactly. And uh, for example, uh, for our uh, music award in general, classical music award, more than ever, I think that we need to, to learn how to promote ourselves. And not mm. only uh, a person like a an, an, an musician, but uh, the, the institutions, the orchestras and the, the wind ensembles and uh, the brass quintets, wind quintets and everything else. Because, uh, and, you, and I think we need to get closer to, to public in mm -hmm. general. Mm -hmm. And uh, so for us to learn that, that is very common to popular musicians to learn like they are doing. They learn, they learn how to how to produce themselves, and, and how to do things for for the, the public to get really closer to them and get involved in everything. You know, so to have all that uh, learned by classical musicians too, I think it would be very important for our air, uh, for our musical world in general. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's something that doesn't necessarily come naturally to classical musicians because you know as horn players we play in the back of the orchestra and we just we don't want to mess up we don't want the conductor to to notice us and yeah so it's it's difficult sometimes the the psychology or the mentality of no you you want people to know who you are you want to to share what it is that you're doing and to to make people aware of, of all of these things going on um mm. i was i was going to ask you so when you were when you were growing up and and learning your craft as a horn player and as a musician, who were your role models, either in Brazil or Latin America or, or anywhere? Yeah, first I'd say my father. You know, he was a, a trombonist, but he taught me a lot of things when uh, when I started. And uh, not only about the, the instrument in general, you know, basic technical things, but... Uh, how to how to put myself in our world and uh, how to you know to talk to people and and to make things happen and uh, so I, I would say him first his name was Hadegundis too mm -hmm. right uh, after that uh, as a performer I think uh, uh, Luis Garcia you know this this Brazilian horn player he's uh, very well known here. Uh, he played in Pied in Brass for, for some years, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, he then went to Europe and, uh, you know, he has a, a wonderful career, a wonderful performer. And uh, he's also a, a model that uh, when I'm practicing and, uh, you know. And in general, I grew up listening, you know, to Herman Bauman and uh, Barry Tocqueville and mm -hmm. uh, Dennis Brain a lot. <laughs> Dennis Brain a lot of playing. Yeah. I think that those were my 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 main model, models as performers, especially. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great. Uh, and you've you've done yeah. a lot of recordings yourself. I think you have is it three or f three CDs? Yes, three CDs. Yeah. Three yeah, yeah, and they're all they're all very different. You want to maybe talk a little bit about the those different uh, kinds of recording projects you've done? Yeah, uh, when I started uh, practicing popular music, very. Uh, Few time later, I learned that it is very different to play it, you know, and the, the way the muscles respond to it. Because, mm. uh, for example, accentuation, articulation, they, they are uh, very uh, maybe more more intense in popular music. 
Mm. You know, at least for me, uh, the resistance works, the stamina works completely different. Mm. But I wanted, you know, to practice, to practice more <laughs> and then and, and try to do both things. And that's why the, my, uh, my first two CDs have a little bit, uh, my f the first one have a little bit of, of uh, popular music, the second one more and uh, with improvisation. Uh, but I always had this idea of, of trying to do everything, <laughs> you know. Mm. And uh, for some uh, parts it is good, for some parts it is not uh, good. So my first CD... I think I thought at the time my father was still alive and uh, he helped me choose the, the repertoire. I thought that it would be important to, to play traditional music because that's what I practice my whole life. And uh, Brazilian classical music, so I have uh, two contemporary musics there. And uh, virtuosistic pieces, because when I was young, I used to listen to a lot of trumpet players, you know. <laughs> And uh, Winton Marsalis is someone that also uh, speaks about this, this difference of playing uh, classical and, and popular music repertoire and, and how it affects everything, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I, I used to hear him a lot, especially that uh, CD, that uh, Carnival CD. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. the, the Ismail in Ensemble. Yeah. Where, you know. So that's why I recorded the, the Carnival of Venice and uh, the Flight of the Bumblebee. And... Uh, yeah, so the, the uh, on my first CD, the piece that has uh, more uh, popular music uh, kind of, of repertoire is the Duda Concertino, mm -hmm. Jose Ossicino da Silva Duda Concertino. He's a very famous composer from uh, Pernambuco. He's uh, a state near to, to Rwanda do Norte, where I live. And uh, it has... Three styles that are very popular in Brazil. The first one is called Coco. The second one, uh, a Toada. And the third one, a Frevo. Right? So, uh, yeah, that's when I start to have a little bit more uh, relation with popular music, so to speak. Yeah. Then my second one, it's... Uh, I was in a very... Uh, how can I say? My mind was was blowing with a lot of things in terms of of the of music, you know. Mm -hmm. So I recorded solo pieces from from Arban, and then, and then the pieces from my friends, you know, composers that wrote uh, popular music to me, like uh, Junior Andrade and Dennis Bullions, as it is in the uh, CD, mm -hmm. and. Uh, was my first experience uh, recording with improvisation, you mm. know. And uh, after that, I wanted to to get back to my, let's say, to, to my basis, you know, mm -hmm. playing classical music. And my third CD, I, I, on my third CD, I recorded all these uh, solo pieces that I was, uh, I practiced that repertoire, you know, for many years. And uh, I just said, it's time to record and let's, you know, let's move with this. Then, uh -huh. uh, yes, today I I'd say that I'm more attached to classical music in general mm -hmm. because of my work here as professor. And most mm -hmm. of my students, of course, they, they, they want to learn uh, classical music because of the positions in orchestras and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I still love to play popular music, especially the 
two of the most famous Brazilian styles, uh, choro, you know, like mm-hmm. Tico and Brasileirinho, the famous Brazilian uh-huh. choros, and uh, this uh, frevo, as, mm-hmm. I, as I said before, uh, that's maybe the most famous, uh, one of the most famous rhythms from the northeast of Brazil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like the, the chores of, of Villa Lobos. Oh yeah, but uh, so what Villa Lobos did? He he used to to get uh, elements from Brazilian pop, popular music mm-hmm. and uh, put that in his repertoire, mm-hmm. in his uh, choros, for example, right? Mm-hmm. So they have some parts that are uh, that remember the choro style, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, they are not exactly a choro, <laughs> like a, a, an interpret or a. a Based on it, I guess, or yes, based on it, yes. Like Prokofiev, I think, did a lot of Russian repertoire and uh, mm-hmm. many others. Yeah. Okay. So, if if uh, for someone like me who is not familiar with, you know, Brazilian popular music or Brazilian classical music, what would be a good piece? Like, if I wanted to put something on a recital to just, you know, we're we're always looking for new repertoire and composers who maybe aren't as well known. I mean, Mozart's great, but you know, we can't play Mozart all the time. What's, what are some, what would be some good recommendations for horn players to, to kind of get their start looking at, at Brazilian horn music? Yeah. Uh, from the, the classical music side, mm-hmm. I would say uh, a, a piece that is played a lot here is called Espaços Sonoros by the composer uh, Guerra Peixe. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's a, a piece that is played a lot. By, by, by a lot of people. Pieces by the, the composer Osvaldo Lacerda. He has a lot of pieces in a more classical music style. We have solo pieces like uh, there is this uh, composer call, uh, called uh, Claudio Santoro. He composed a lot of Fantasia Sul America. It's like okay. South American fantasy. You know, mm-hmm. he, he composed one for, for each instrument, you know, for horn, for trumpet and violin and, and everything else. So uh, the, the, his piece for horn is also uh, very much played here. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And uh, from the popular music world in general, uh, pieces are uh, instrumental. Music is, compo- uh, you know, compositions. They are composed for flute or saxophone, but, but many times they, they are not exactly meant for one instrument, you mm-hmm. know. In Shoro, for example, it's very common to play in every instrument. You can mm-hmm. take the, the, the songbook, you know, and just play it. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you want to start to, to, to know Brazilian music, Shoro, any Shoro in general, you know, uh, are, uh, this is a kind of repertoire very, very easy for us to play. It's, it's many times, many compositions, it was fought for an instrument to play instead of a, a singer to sing. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's very nice. Yeah, I've got some homework to do. Definitely, I'll be I'll be looking into all those pieces, and I know you've submitted an article for the Horn Call, and I think there's room for all of you know. Horn players love to learn about new repertoire, right? Because, like I said, we can't always play the same old pieces over and over and over, even though they may be great. You know, we're always looking for oh, what would be a good piece for you know a, a student to play on a recital that's not the same old thing. So having having catalogs and lists of of repertoires, I think it's always very useful. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, and then this article is is exactly about uh, creativity. 
mm-hmm. you know, do something else, right? Uh, in my case, as I said, I love to play classical music and to play every time I play Mozart with, with an orchestra or piano is mm-hmm. something that I really love to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also love, uh, for example, to, to improvise, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, this article uh, that I made with Celso Benedito, mm-hmm. he's the professor of the Federal University of Bahia. And uh, it's about uh, a learning process that is very common in our musical bands. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is based on uh, using what the student here, you know, when he's at home or everything, and put that together with the, the classical repertoire. Mm-hmm anything they want and then it's it, it's very helpful helpful i think especially to develop the the perception and this this creativity power uh it is meant uh he has a lot of of uh studies that he he wrote you know just an example mm. uh Celso, but uh we and this article explains all this process but uh it is meant to be done by 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 memory you know by mm-hmm. heart Mm-hmm. So the idea is for a person to start, for example, playing uh, a rock song mm-hmm. that the person loves and then put together with Mozart horn concert, for example, uh-huh. based on the same notes or the same harmony or, you know, and just to create, to play. So it can break, uh, it can also help us to break this this this, uh, this bad sensation we may have when we go to the stage, mm-hmm. you know, and also it may help us to get closer to the public, you know, to be, to be more free to speak and, uh, and to laugh when we are presenting a recital. It doesn't to be like a, a you know, a funeral, it right. can be like a, a, a very happy moment. So I think this, I think this, this, this methodology that we talk about, that we wrote about in the article, uh, can help a lot to, to develop this other side that is not common, uh, commonly developed, I think. Mm-hmm traditional way to learn yeah no i i i think that's a, a wonderful idea and i i think uh again that's that's something we can all use more of is more fun <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely well uh, how thank you so much for speaking with me today um for maybe uh people in brazil who, who maybe english might not be their 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 first language is there anything you'd like to say uh in in portuguese to to encourage uh brazilian listeners to uh read the horn call and support the ihs yes so i say queridos amigos brasileiros colegas trompistas uh, acho que é muito importante hoje estarmos mais presentes na ihs Para quem não conhece a associação, eu os convido a conhecer. A Roncal, como o James falou, o James é o editor. É uma revista que todo é publicada três vezes ao ano e que traz um monte de informação sobre o nosso instrumento. Então, participem da IHS, tenham acesso a Roncal, a todas as outras iniciativas da associação e participem de um simpósio. Eu diria que o simpósio é a grande experiência é, da associação. Né? Então, convido-os a participar e é isso. Sejam bem-vindos desde já. <laughs> ok. Thank you. Yeah, that's. Thank you very Thank much. You. No, that's that's wonderful. Yes. Thank you very much, James. 